Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. This week we will continue our interview, which is part four and the final part of our interview with Brian Hayden, who is co-founder of HeatSpring, the premier renewable energy online training platform where I teach all of my online classes. Brian is also a serial entrepreneur and teaches an entrepreneur class at the University of Michigan Center for Entrepreneurship. Part of his course includes his podcast that I recommend Finding Your Venture. In this show, we will cover drones, space, making online class content, how COVID affects the solar industry, a view of the solar industry as we step back some time and blur out the ups and downs, and what good online training looks like. To find out more about this podcast or HeatSpring Online Training, where Sean has now had 15,000 students sign up for his online classes, go to solarsean.com. Let's get on with the show. Where do you draw the line between being a renewable energy course and not being a renewable energy course? I know for a time there, I'm pretty fascinated by space, and you guys had some space classes. Mm, yeah. I thought that was super cool. Me but, too. I know. I, I loved that. That was a really fun project. Yeah, that's my hobby is being an astronaut. Oh, so, so cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like I don't know where to draw the line. We just launched a series of drone courses. And to me, that's a, only a half step away because so many solar companies are using drones. I thought it was a solar class because that's a lot of ways that people do site surveys these days. 100%. And that's most of what it is. But the course is organized in a way that it doesn't have to be a solar course. You know, I think maybe most of the people that are taking it are solar installers, but there are some who are just using it for other things. You know, that's an example of kind of taking a half step away. The space course, man, that was a real big leap. And I think in some ways I did that because I thought it was so much fun to try to go learn a new industry. And probably, you know, subconsciously, Elon Musk was probably making a connection that in my mind that wasn't necessarily obvious to everybody else. But, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that we need to think about better ways to use our resources on Earth, and then we need to be thinking about what lies beyond Earth. And so that was sort of the way we made that connection. I spent a lot of time going to space conferences and meeting people and trying to figure out how we could figure out something tangible that could have an ROI for people. And there have been lots of businesses that have been successful, but the number was just too small. You know, like there are so many solar companies that have been able to grow and make money, whereas the number of space companies has been relatively small so far. And I, I think that's why it didn't pick up steam and take off the way that solar has. And I hope that in the future when we add new topics, which we're always open to new topics, you know, most of the ideas come from people who just suggest them. And I think that there has to be a business case that there can be a lot of growth in the industry and that companies can go make a lot of money. Because if in the absence of that, just if you're casually interested, we're probably not the best place to go. Just learn something you're a little bit interested in. That might just be YouTube. Yeah, it's not like a business investment to take a space class if you just think space is cool. <laughs> right. You know, then you want to go to the space center and go to space camp for a week, which yeah. is incredible, but we're never going to be able to do that as well as somebody else. Yeah. It might be kind of like the wind industry. Like I don't think we have any wind classes and it's like to get involved in wind, you have to have a billion dollars. If you want a wind company, you need a billion bucks. Yeah, no, that's right. You know, we, we've solar company, you get a solar module. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've dipped in and out of wind for a dozen years 
and never found a way to make it profitable for a small business. Yeah, it's just like the small wind turbines don't have that ROI that a large one does. The bigger they are, the bigger the ROI. Yep, exactly right. And, and solar has pretty much put small wind out of business. Yep. The closest we've come is, you know, back to the drones is that most wind turbine inspections happen via drone now. And there are a lot of big service companies that provide that. And more and more companies are thinking about taking that in-house. And so we do see a little bit of an opportunity to provide an ROI in that way. But, you know, we're not doing any like how to install a, a, you know, giant wind turbine offshore. Oh, that's interesting. So you could maybe have a class on wind turbine third party inspecting or something like that. Yeah, that's a big focus in the in that drone course. Yeah, and I've actually been recording my podcast with the software that you guys turned me on to, which is Camtasia. Mm. I kind of get mad at Camtasia a lot, though. But <laughs> what are the what are the biggest hiccups with Camtasia? What would you fix about Camtasia? It crashes a lot. You know, when you think about getting people to produce content to be consumed in a class or online, there's a lot of intimidating things about doing that for people. But I do think that there's tremendous value in learning to take what's in your head and the experiences that you have and then creating content out of that, whether it's shared on your company's social media page or inside of a class. So a lot of what I do is I is help coach you know instructors on how to get over that sort of psychological hurdle of creating content that you feel okay about. And yeah. Camtasia has been a big help. You know, I would, I would definitely recommend that. I, there are a lot of options for screen capture, but Camtasia continues to be the one that we like the best. And then just buying a decent microphone, I think, is the other thing. Yeah, so I have the Blue Yeti here that you guys also turned me on to. Yeah. And, oh, and you guys bought it for me, so thank you. And the Camtasia, thank you. Yeah, man. <laughs> the other thing that I noticed with Camtasia is don't ever back it up with Dropbox. Because somehow it loses stuff. Even though I have all the files on my hard drive, mm. if you back it up with Dropbox, it loses stuff. So be careful of that. Yeah. yeah, I consider myself pretty tech savvy and I have struggled with Dropbox and some of those uh, remote backup services. I, I can never quite figure out when it's saving to my machine and when it's not. And uh, I still struggle with that too. I guess I was just also going to ask you about what else do you do? So you work at this Center for Entrepreneurship at the University of Michigan, and they also call that Big Blue, right? University of Michigan. Yep. Yeah, Michigan is a giant state school here in Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And um, that's where I went as an undergrad, and I moved away for a long time. I lived in Oregon. I lived in Boston, Chicago. And, and then I moved back here because I was having kids and it was just easy to be around my wife's family and my folks are in Chicago. So when we moved back here from Boston, I was nervous about just living in a small market, frankly, and not meeting people that like to start companies. And so I was very worried about that. I went to tons of networking events and met a ton of people. And I met a guy, um, actually Thomas Erbuchen, who he started the Center for Entrepreneurship inside the engineering school at, at Michigan. He has since left and gone to NASA and he runs, man, you would love this guy, Sean. He, huh. he runs NASA's like civilian space program, like all the, huh. all the stuff NASA does to engage. Anyway, he was an, he's an astrophysicist. When I first met him to go co-teach with him, he was deciding on whether to hit the thrusters on a satellite. 
I, you know, I walked in on a conference call and he was like, just sit down. And they were debating, you know, whether or not to hit the thrusters. So anyway, he, he started, let me interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. So he started the, the center for entrepreneurship and he and I co-taught for a little while cause he had actually never started a business. He just thought entrepreneurship was cool and he's kind of an interesting person. So I got in the classroom and I just loved it. I just thought it was so fun to share the experiences I was having with people because when I was in school, I always wanted to start a business and, but I didn't really see a role model or know, you know, what that looked like. And so it felt very risky to me and it felt like you had to be like Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, you had to do something crazy. What I've come to realize is that it's just a, a career path that's open to anyone at any time. And you can do what you're good at just for yourself. And I thought that was a cool message. And I've taught uh, 15 semesters. It's mostly undergrads, but also some grad students. It's one day a week, uh, just a couple hours. And I, I love it. I, I would never want to be a full-time teacher. I think that would be hard for me. But I always want that to be a part of my life. And just interacting with, again, it comes back to the people, you know, interacting with those students is an insurance policy against getting too old and out of touch, I think. And mm -hmm. so I, I hope to do it for a real long time. Great, great. Okay, cool. Tell me about some business lessons that you've learned from watching the ups and downs in renewable energy. Renewable energy has been a, a really hot and cold market these last 13 years. You know, there's cycles that the market goes through and the cycles are kind of exciting and kind of scary too when you've kind of bet your business on it. What I've come to realize is that we're on the right side of history and renewable energy and solar especially has reached a point where it's not going to go away and that feels really good and, and it feels good to sort of exhale in that space and know this is happening and there was a time back in 06 07 when that wasn't necessarily true you know it was felt a lot more tenuous so i, I like to appreciate that but then you also have to know that there's going to be booms and busts when we first started what i observed was that we and others were sort of like really wanting to charge hard and, and you want to scale your business and you want to be a huge business. And that's exciting, but it can also really burn you out. And it can cause you to sort of react in ways that aren't necessarily useful for the long haul. I sound like a grizzled veteran at this point after not that many years, but after 13 years, I've seen maybe three cycles of boom and bust in renewable energy. And what I've learned is that you have to plan and think for the long term. And the companies that are, are sort of succeeding and have continued to thrive through the different cycles have always kind of acted in ways that they can be proud of all along the way. They've always treated people well. And it's still an industry of people and relationships. And so you want to invest in people and be kind and be supportive of others. And if you get overly competitive and grab too hard when times are good, then you don't have any friends when things turn south for the industry and it gets tough. So I just think being supportive and collaborative and investing in people and relationships as the industry continues to grow, which, which I think at this point is undoubtedly going to happen. It's not going to happen in a linear way. It's not going to happen in an exponential way. It's going to be kind of up and down, but it's going to keep happening. It just has to. And so doing your best and treating people right is the way to survive in any market. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed too, especially in the 10 year ago timeframe, is that a lot of renewable energy policy kind of drives things and on the state level. 
So you would have like big, you know, Massachusetts had some SRECs, New Jersey had SRECs, Ontario, Canada had the feed-in tariff, and it was like gold rush time. And then it was, you know, talk about boom and bust. I remember even in um, Pennsylvania too, like they had some some rebates and SRECs there. It was takeoff time. And I can remember with the, some of these booms, we would have 30 people in a class paying $3,600. And the people running those classes, they would start hiring people and buying classrooms and all that. And then six months later, that boom wasn't happening anymore. You know, other training providers would move in. And I remember seeing too, a lot of these live training providers were kind of cutthroat and, you know, not paying me and all that kind of stuff. So I've really enjoyed working with you because it's just been all good. You know, everything's mutually beneficial. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Right now, one of the the things that we're seeing is solar is getting super cheap. And so even in your area in Michigan, where there's not much in the way of incentives, solar is starting to take off. So in the Midwest, Chicago, all that. Finally. It's kind of exciting. And I kind of think of that growth there being more sustainable and less apt to booms and busts because it's not depending on incentives. It's just solar is cheap. Yeah, that's the best kind. Mm, Yeah. But I mean, you can get some places where the inspection departments hate solar and then they make it tough. (laughs) Here's another question. What are we observing from our position in the industry during this coronavirus pandemic? I think there's a lot of debate about the long-term effects of COVID and all the social distancing that we're doing and the breaks that people are having to take from their jobs. One of the things that I've been interested in is, are solar companies going to be able to keep working? And I think the answer is it's kind of spotty right now, as you said earlier. I do think that construction will bounce back relatively quickly as the economy starts to open up. I think if you were in the events business or if you were, you know, had a stadium where you had rock concerts, you know, your, your life is going to change a lot more fundamentally than construction yeah, and solar. So I do think that's good news for construction and solar and, and just the industry in general. You know, obviously power companies you know, that's critical infrastructure. So that's not going to go away. So, you know, where we sit in the industry, I think is relatively good compared to say like food service or, or a lot of other parts of the economy that are going to be hit really hard. I do observe that more and more groups are learning together. And, you know, that's been something that always made sense to me, but it never really happened. And now that people have this extra time, you know, that we're all spending at home and we're seeking experiences with our coworkers and families and doing more Zoom calls, we're definitely seeing that. And we're seeing more and more use of the platform. We just got a huge bill for, you know, video hosting, which it's the biggest one we've ever gotten. And it's just because more and more people are home, they got more time to learn stuff. And that's kind of cool. Oh, so that means that more and more people are watching our videos. Yeah, on, yeah, on more people are just are just actually doing doing the classes. So you guys kind of have a bandwidth bill. Is that sort of what that is? Totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's just a fundamental part. If you're gonna if you serve up content online, that's always going to be part of your business, and and it's kind of an interesting metric to track over time and see not just how many people are signing up, but how many people are actually doing stuff and using it. So it's mm-hmm. fun to watch that. Great. So Brian, tell me about your podcast. My podcast is, it it tracks alongside my uh, University of Michigan entrepreneurship course. And what I realized is that I, the favorite part of my class was always the guest speakers. 
people would come in, they'd tell their stories, and it was very inspiring for the students to listen to stories from the real world. Uh, but it was very hard for me to predict what sort of lessons or stories were going to get told. And it was also a big ask to get people to come into my class all the time. So I love podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. And so I decided a podcast is a perfect format to collect stories that illustrate the points from the class. And so every episode of the podcast illustrates some lesson that I teach in the class. And it's kind of paired with an interesting story. So the class is called Finding Your Venture. The podcast is Finding Your Venture. And, you know, it's available on iTunes, Spotify, whatever. It doesn't have a huge following or anything. Um, I don't expect to get, you know, famous from it. But, man, it's so fun to do. And I love talking to people in that format. So anybody can check it out. I noticed on your LinkedIn page that one of your careers is storyteller. I've realized that telling stories is we, we do it all the time. And sometimes we do it well and sometimes we do it badly. And I realized a couple of years ago that... If I could get really good at one thing, I'd love to be a great storyteller. And I still have a long way to go. I think it's just an important skill. So Brian Hayden, any relationship to anti-war protester Tom Hayden? No, I do have an Uncle Tom Hayden who is uh, a really interesting and unconventional dude. But it is not the famous Tom Hayden. I don't know of any direct tie. So to. You're probably not going to like protest at the democratic convention or anything like that. Then, you know, no, you know, that would be really cool. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm a little more conventional. And then for our younger people out there, that that's some sixties reference, I guess that happened before even I was old enough to know what was happening. So. Yeah. Back in the sixties. Um, I just want to say, you know, you have done just such a great job. And what I especially appreciate about you is your availability inside the classes and your willingness to engage with people on an ongoing basis. I think that's hugely valuable. And I think people appreciate that a lot about your classes. So I just want to say thanks for doing that and helping so many people learn this stuff. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I noticed that I've been spending sometimes two hours a day during this epidemic answering questions because there's been a lot of questions and I I kind of have some lengthy answers and I answer questions every day. So that's one of the reasons I think people like my classes. Yeah, it matters. That's what people come for and you're doing a great job and I appreciate it. Yeah, it's not like they're just buying some video that somebody could steal, you know. Totally. Yeah. Do you think they are stealing our classes, playing them in China? Yeah. Probably. Three corner in yeah, <laughs> probably. But, you know, <laughs> There's only so much you can do, but the value is in interacting with you. It's interacting with the other people. It's in yeah. earning the credits toward a certification that matters and means something. So, you know, there's only so much you can get out of a video. Great. Well, thanks so much, Brian. And it was really good to talk to you again. I know that we, we talked a lot, I think when I first signed up around 2014, and then a year or so later, you went off and started doing other things and weren't heavily involved with HeatSpring. And it's nice that you've been back for the last few months, too, doing more stuff with HeatSpring. Good to be back involved on a day-to-day -day basis. I love the business. I love working with people like you. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. Today's interview was with serial entrepreneur Brian Hayden, co-founder of HeatSpring and who you can also contact for group rates. In fact, this morning... He just signed up a huge group. To find out more about Sean White, his online classes, or to hire Sean for in-person classes and consulting, go to solarsean.com. Enjoy the rest of your day.